Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy, as always, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing on this Friday morning? Doing good, Michael. Ready to cover a couple of Thunder Jazz games over the next couple of days. I know that you haven't gotten enough of Salt Lake City or Utah or the Jazz or anything like that, so this is this is a big moment for you. Yeah, I miss Salt Lake City, so I mean, they're bringing Salt Lake City to me. You can't beat that. No, you can't. Well, sorry to spin it this way, but we've instantly got some bad news, and as Kenrich Williams looks like he will be out for the rest of the season. I just want to know your initial thoughts on that and initial reaction whenever you found out on the news. My initial reaction is just... Um feel bad for Kenrich. I mean, it, it sucks when anyone is going to, you know, playing well, such a big part of the team, locker room leader, everything we've talked about, um, to have him miss the rest of the season, you know, just is, is really unfortunate. And then from a team context, it hurts the Thunder quite a bit, I think, because he was, he was just such a net positive. I mean, when he was on the floor playing a thousand plus minutes over the course of his season and uh, the Thunder was outscoring opponents by four points per 100 possessions. So that was actually the highest net rating on the team, minimum 1,000 minutes. And the Thunder had a negative net rating when he sat. So he's, you know, we, we've talked about his impact both on the offensive and defensive end, um, kind of calming everything down, doing all the dirty work. He's leading the NBA in charges. So to lose that guy um, and one of the very few veterans on this team hurts. Yeah, it just sucks overall. I mean, it feels like the every day it's like, oh, here's another gut punch. Here's something else that's going on. But get well soon to Kenrich. Um, I just want to know what else um, you think about it. What does this mean for the Thunder and their potential play-in push that a lot of fans have been talking about? I know they've dropped a few in a row here, but they're still not completely out of it if you look at the standings. Well, it's certainly another blow to the play and push you would rather have Kenrich Williams out there in winning time than you know for example the Thunder just recalled Usman Jang I would expect that he's going to be the biggest beneficiary from a minutes perspective and the Thunder is still very much in developmental mode and you know wants to take a look at the young guy so that was probably going to happen regardless of Kenrich's injury but just like not being able to have that steady hand out there I mean, I think it's going to hurt in crunch time. We've also seen how effective those Kinrich at the five small ball lineups have been. I don't know how they really replicate that. Um, maybe Poku, if and when he comes back, you know, Aaron Wiggins might be a little too small, but I think they could go to that at, at times. Um, Usman Jang, certainly. So, and then you have you know, more traditional bigs like JRE and, and Jay Will. But he, he just kind of limits the options that Mark Dignall has. I love that the traditional centers on the Thunder lineups are even still like <laughs> six nine. We're going, oh well, the traditional bigs. And it's like, yeah, most they don't have like a threes. traditional. Olivier Saar might be the only traditional big on the roster, and he hasn't played yet. Yeah, well, um, you mentioned a little bit here about Us uh, being recalled, but who else do you think is going to be the biggest beneficiaries? I guess with. Kenrich out it's making the best of a bad situation but there are going to be open minutes for other guys yeah I I don't know I mean probably Aaron Wiggins would be the other one just because his playing time has been so 
up and down and, and unpredictable, um, you know, still hasn't been a, still hasn't been a big part of the rotation and kind of the comp that we have for Aaron Wiggins is like a, you know, younger version of Kenrich Williams. So he can certainly step in and fill that role. I think he's the, I think he's the second biggest beneficiary behind Jang. Jang, it's a couple of things like, again, he was going to come back anyway, but now there is more of an opportunity for him at that spot to play and, you know, I think the Thunder wants to use these last few weeks of the season to to take a bigger look at him. Yeah, and coaches love veterans, and you're just kind of taking another chess piece out of the cupboard for Mark, where it's just not even an option with the injuries now. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Hopefully we see a lot of Oost minutes because it's been unfortunate with his injuries as well that he's been kind of in and out. Um, so getting another good look at him will be nice, but uh, get well soon to Kenrich. What has been your favorite Kenrich Williams moment of this season? Well, I'll give you my favorite Kenrich Williams number. I tweeted this out yesterday. He's taken 26 charges this year, which leads the NBA. That's more charges than the Spurs, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Suns, Jazz, Wizards, Nuggets, Pistons, Clippers, Nets, Bucks, and Hornets have taken as a team. So he, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a crazy number um my favorite moment is probably after the lakers game in la and just us talking to him um about defending lebron james as lebron made the record breaking shot to to break kareem's all-time scoring record and just like the way that kenrich handled that and like the the story that came out of that and just like appreciating like being part of history and not at all being ashamed like oh man i can't believe it was me and like trying to act too cool so kenrich it's just a super easy guy uh to cover very low-key um always going to give you real answers though so um selfishly as it relates to my job those are the those are the moments i'm going to miss the most i'm going to miss the game flipping moments that he would have where all of a sudden the thunder down by eight and then it's like takes a charge hits a big three get somebody on a cut and it's like, Oh, the thunder down by three now or something like that. He just flipped games over and over and over a game that they weren't able to flip was uh, against the Lakers the other night as they lose um, in a weird fashion. It was another one of those games. You tweeted out something fun about the stats about how they had lost like four in a row and all the game scores were like very, very close. Oh yeah. I got to pull this up because it's, it's fascinating. If you like uh, weird numbers, boy, you're going to like this. Okay. So let's start on Friday, February 24th at Phoenix. The Thunder lost 124 to 115. Two nights later, at home against the Kings, the Thunder lose 124-115. Same exact score they lost by in Phoenix. Then, game two against the Kings, they lose 123-117, to and the other night against the Lakers, the Thunder lose 123 to 117. Four games, two identical scores, back to back. Now, tonight will have no bearing on this, but whatever the Thunder wins by or loses by against the Jazz of Utah on Sunday, we're all going to be watching to see if uh, if they match whatever score happens tonight. A lot of people made the... Uh, made the like NBA knows the script or keeping to the script jokes, which, which I really enjoyed because it's like, I don't know what's, what's going on here. 
win, lose, or draw, this is what's really important is we get this score again. But yeah, the Lakers beat the Thunder 123 to 117 without LeBron James or Anthony Davis on the second night of a back-to-back coming from Memphis. But <clears throat> I, I was impressed by Josh's bounce-back game. He was not very good the other day um, in the second game against the Kings. He and Lou were sort of just benched to end that game. But I thought he was great against the Lakers. Yeah, big bounce back game. Um, you you could tell he was frustrated with how he played the night before. Didn't even play a lot the night before. Like you said, was benched his lowest minute total um, since he's been in the NBA. So so that was glaring. And then he came back and I thought he just abused the smaller Lakers guards. Anytime Dennis Schroeder or, or Malik Beasley was matched up against him, Giddy realized, oh, wait, I'm 6'8". I'm just going to barrel to the rim and finish over these guys and finish through them. He was very successful in doing that. I thought the other standout from the game was J-Dub. Um, he was, you know, he just continues to to be an excellent finisher around the rim. He's We've gotten a bigger look at him the last couple of nights, playing more on the ball, playing more point guard as he did at Santa Clara. Um, I just always think back to Summer League when it's like, wait, what? Like, J-Dub is, is playing the four, and he he really can play one through four, but you kind of get an appreciation of his um, vision and creation abilities when he's on the ball, which, you know, when you're playing alongside Shea and Josh, you're not going to have those opportunities when, when they're both out there. Now, they can stagger minutes where, like, J-Dub could lead a second unit or, or something like that, but we're starting to to get a look at that, which I think is helpful probably for the coaching staff. No, he was, he was great. He played with great pace, uh, especially with Shea out. Obviously they can't get the win, but staggering those guys where you have a ball handler on the floor at all times is very, very important. I think we talked about it after one of the, the first Kings game is the lack of ball handling outside of some of those other guys. So one of them, when you didn't have one of them on the floor at all times. It looks like they could get a little bit more pressure, but I was impressed by that. But unfortunate, they can't get the win, but hopefully they can bounce back tonight against the Jazz. Any more like an overall thoughts about the Lakers game before we move on? Uh, I was impressed by the Lakers just because, I mean, it, it's been a mess and it's unfortunate to, to know that LeBron is going to miss a couple more weeks and then, AD, even though the Lakers were on the second night of a back-to-back, caught a lot of people off guard that he was going to rest that game against the Thunder. And it's like, okay, like what what's going on here? Because you're saying that like every game is a must-win, got to make the play-in, got to make the playoffs, and then AD sits against the Thunder. Um, and Dennis Schroeder called it a must-win, and I thought the former Thunder guard played that way, especially late in the game. Um because like the the Lakers had to have that like they're these two teams are next to each other in the standings but they're like on polar opposite ends of what their long-term goals are the Lakers don't have long-term goals and that's fine like that's that's part of being in LA and having LeBron James and bling, being in a glamour market you don't have to worry about what the heck you're going to do in 2028 um but like you know the, the Thunder's not approaching it like that you're not going to hear you know Josh Giddy come up to the podium and say this was a must-win game, but that's what the Lakers have to say and have to do, and and I thought they played like it. 
Yeah, they played with a lot of urgency as a veteran team. Obviously, the Thunder are going to be the youngest team on the floor, no matter who they go up against, as they are the second youngest team in NBA history, only behind the Thunder last year. But I thought they played a decent game, but just couldn't pull it out. And like you mentioned, the the Lakers veteran came veterans came through mostly through guys like Dennis Schroeder. Um, and other news: the Thunder have made a signing in Jared Butler on a two way. He is a 6'3", 22-year-old out of Baylor. He played three seasons at Baylor and then was drafted 40th overall by the Jazz in 2021. What else can you tell us about um, <clears throat> about Jared Butler? Okay, I'm going to get to Jared Butler real quick, but breaking news, um, very small breaking news, but breaking news nonetheless. The the Pistons signed uh, our old friend Eugene Omarui to a 10-day contract, so... Omarui, who was waived by the Thunder after signing that standard deal, uh, gets picked up by the Pistons. So, uh, somewhat related to the to the Jared Butler news because li- both Lindy Waters and Eugene got promoted to those standard deals, which opened up a two way spot that Jared Butler is now filling. Jared Butler, I, I think there was a lot of excitement around here when the Thunder signed him to a ten day or to a two way contract because. We're in Big 12 country. He was part of that national championship Baylor team. Um, the leading scorer on that team, um, are him and Davion Mitchell were like the 1A and 1B. Um, but he was the first, he was the consensus All American. He was the most outstanding player of that 2021 Final Four when they just blitzed Gonzaga. Um, he's undersized by NBA standards, certainly. He shot it really, really well in college. Um, you know, it's too hard to draw anything from the small sample from the jazz. The only thing I would say to caution fans of being elated with this two-way contract is like he didn't make the jazz's roster coming out of training camp. And the jazz certainly had spots for players to make their roster coming out of training camp. And he has been available since October. So it's not like, you know, other teams have had the chance to pick him up, but Hey, maybe the Thunder saw something in him. Now he has played well in the G league. Um, he, the other thing I'll say is like, he gained, um, a lot of attention because he, he signed with Alabama out of high school, went to high school in Louisiana. And, they detected this uh, heart condition and the details are a little murky, but I don't know if they didn't clear him to play or what, but he ends up getting a waiver to be released. Um, and um, he signs with Baylor plays at Baylor for three years. Really, really good player. Um, he says he has no like symptoms of, of that heart disease, uh, which I'm not even going to try to say because it's not in front of me and I can't remember and it's it's very very long, so it doesn't seem like a issue that that's really affecting him. But that that was during that 2021 draft, a lot of people thought he fell into the second round because of those health risks. I'll, I'll do my best to try to read this hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. I'm yeah, that's say pretty good. I, I think that's that's all right. I think I if a little bit more confidence, I think I could have passed, even if it's H- wrong. HCM is what they call it. HCM. That's the much easier way to go about it. But um, it should be interesting with Jared Butler. 
yeah, he's been on the market. He's been available for a while, but he did look a, uh, like a decent prospect coming out of Baylor. I do wonder about the type of minutes he's going to be able to get, but the Thunder already got their guy in Isaiah Joe sort of in that role. So whatever happens with Jared Butler is gravy, but I appreciate them being willing to take a chance and not just settle and go, hey, we have like 20 games left. Let's just keep going with the guys we have and just uh, keep going on the road. But they're going to continue to try things and maybe unearth another guy if they can. The second Baylor product in Thunder history. Name the first Michael. Oh, gosh. I don't know that I can. Harry Jones. Harry Jones. I don't know why I thought of yes. FK Udo, even though I knew he never played for the Thunder. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, joining joining some elite company in, in Perry Jones. I, I also don't know what his playing time is going to look like, but the Thunder loves churning the back into their roster at this time of year. That's why you saw the Omarui promotion and subsequent release. I don't know if Lindy is going to be able to finish the year on a two-way contract or, or on a standard deal, or if the Thunder is going to do something similar with him, Olivier Sars on a two-way now, who knows if he's going to stay there? Who knows how long Jared Butler is going to be around? It could be 10 day guys. Like they're going to keep adding, you know, toward this and taking shots on guys like you've seen in the last two years, especially with Kenrich out, you're going to have to take, a couple more shots and just get some extra live bodies in rotation. The Thunder kind of been hit by the injury bug, as we know, with Us is now coming back, but Poku's been out. Shea's obviously out, so they're going to need some other guys to fill in that rotation, but I wonder with Jared Butler if since Lindy is already on this full contract and they already have a pretty good look at him, if somehow Jared Butler will just eat a lot into his minutes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, and so, so are we thinking of Jared Butler playing more as kind of a third team or fourth team, whatever you want to call it, point guard, or is he just like a shooter who is more comparable to Lindy Waters and Isaiah Joe? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's handling the ball a little bit more, but it feels like if you're picking up a guy like that who's known as a shooter, you probably just want him to shoot. And his disadvantage is... Both of those guys are bigger and, you know, even Lindy, like he's six, six, Jared Butler's six, three, Isaiah Joe is very slight, but he's what? Six, five, uh, six, six, four. Um, but obviously an, an elite shooter that he's proven at the NBA level. So yeah, I don't know. I, I hope they give Jared Butler a look just cause it'll be, um, kind of a cool story. So especially if he plays, tonight, which I don't think he will be because the Thunder has not even made this thing official. Woj reported it yesterday, but they have yet to to officially add him. So I was just thinking of like the symmetry if he plays in one of these Jazz games because the Jazz drafted him, played 40-something games there, and uh, could make his Thunder debut against the same Jazz men. Sam Presti is going to go on revenge tour with various guys who are cut by teams and sign them to a 10-day just to play against that team. Yeah, man, not a bad strategy. Yeah, we get the revenge factor, even though Jared Butler didn't play for Will Hardy at all. He can say what's going on with some guys in the locker room, the the three guys that are left after the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert trades, but should be interesting. Um, 
you know, the Thunder have dropped their last four. So I wanted to ask you about, were the Thunder actually further away from winning than we thought? You know, because there were times during the season where their offense was ranked top of the league coming out of, uh, coming out of I don't know, um, the start of the new year. But things have started to slow down, especially with Shea out of the lineup. I just thought it was interesting to ask, you know, with Shea, he covers a lot of mistakes and a lot of weaknesses in the lineup. So are the Thunder a little bit further away as we're looking at them now without Shea in the lineup? I don't think so. And I understand the question, but like when we're saying further away, we're basically saying further away from being a 500 team, not further away from like, you know, being a top six team in the, in, in the West. Like I think being on a five game losing streak, four of them without Shea Gilgis Alexander is acceptable when you're taking an all NBA player away from the youngest team in the NBA um, that, that doesn't have a lot of experience that this time of year hasn't been in the spot as far as like watching the standings and stuff like that. The Thunder had a two month sample of being, I keep repeating this, but being the second best team in the NBA by net rating for, for all of January and most of February, only behind the Denver Nuggets um, who are atop the West by five games. So just since the calendar flipped, I mean, this had been a legitimate team that had been playing over 500 basketball. Now they're six games under. I thought they were on pace to finish right at 500. I, I could have seen 41 wins, and I think 41 wins would have gotten them in the play-in. Heck, they they still might get there. They still might get into the play-in. Um, but I don't think that this stretch signals that they're like further away. I think it more so signals how good Shea is. Yeah, that's a different way to look at it. And it's not something where I'm going, oh, the world is caving in. I don't want any Thunder fans to feel that way or anyone who watches the team. This was never the plan this season was to make the playoffs or make the plan. As you mentioned, it was more about development and some guys took some leaps such as um, Shea. Some guys were better than expected, like J-Dub. I mean, better than our public perception, um, maybe that they would be. But it should be interesting I don't know, with Shea, um, he does cover a lot of the weaknesses in the lineups, and maybe this is a good opportunity if the team does rise in the draft or something like that. You can get an extra guy that you maybe wouldn't have if Shea was in for these games and you're just obviously in, firmly in the play-in mix and you don't get a chance in the, the lottery. Yeah, well, listen, this recent skid could could be a blessing in disguise. As we said, it's a win-win situation. The Thunder keep losing. Well, they're gonna have a high high lottery pick. The Thunder, if Shea returns and they go on a streak, well, then they're gonna be right back in the playing mix. So there really is no downside to this. Um, but the upside, if things continue in this direction, is rather large. Pulling up the upside down standings, the Thunder is in seventh. Um, a game back of Indiana, a game and a half back two and a half back, excuse me, of Orlando. So, I mean, they're, as we've said, the top four are already solidified Houston, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, but they're, they're close to, as close to being the 10 seed. They're, they're as close to, to being the fifth, the, the fifth team in the reverse standings having the fifth best lottery odds. So either one of those situations is good. And 
I just want to clarify something that you brought up and you were right. You are right in the sense that this was not the goal. And I, I always just want to like clarify for people who don't understand exactly what we mean by that going into this season, Sam Presti and, and the front office wasn't, you know, in their war rooms, in their front office suites and, and riding on the uh, dry race boards, you know, playing or bust. That was, that was not the goal. This is always a long-term approach. Um, everything like that. I, I, I think what Sam has said, how everyone has covered this, people know that by now, but what watch Mark Dagnalt out there coaching and, and losing his mind and watch, you know, Kenrich Williams taking charges and Isaiah Joe dra- draining threes and Shea taking the sleep. It's like, obviously the competitive spirit of those guys, they're trying to win every game they can. And I also want to clarify that point because it's not like the team, the players slash coaches are, there's a gulf between them and the front office. That's not at all the case. They just have different jobs. Like Mark Dignall and his staff have to prepare for playing the jazz tonight. The, the players have to watch tape and, get their assignments, everything like that. The front office is not worried about the jazz game tonight. I mean, they're looking to this off season to next season years past that. Um, and you know, both, both sides just have a different job to do, but with, with the team playing as well as it has this year, like the front office was okay to, to let it ride. If they made the plan, they made the plan. Like you said, that wasn't necessarily the goal. Um, but they're not going to do anything to stop that from happening. Um, however, if the losses keep piling up, maybe we see some things down the road where it's like the play-in is no longer a mathematical possibility. Therefore, they're going to focus on lottery positioning. I don't know exactly what that may look like, but Michael, I'm sorry for the long explanation, but always want to put that out there. No, I'm glad you did, but it's a situation where if they can get another pick, this is something that kind of is unfortunate right now if you're a Thunder fan watching games, but in a year from now or by the time the lottery comes out of the draft, you're not going to be thinking about this as much if you're having another chance and you're in the top five again and have another chance to get another prospect who can you can add to this core of Chet, Shea, J-Dub, Josh, and others. I think you're going to be really excited, and it's just one of those things where it's just short-term um, pain for long-term satisfaction potentially. That's correct. You got it. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about in your eyes, what is this team missing? What kind of type of player or skill or anything else do you think could help this younger team, young Thunder team and take the next step in their developmental path? I mean, I talked to Dario the other day in our presser and asked him a little bit about that. And he mentioned just tightening the bolts on some different things, defensive rotations, communicating on offense and other things. But uh, I'll, I'll give you the four here in a second, but I think they could use another veteran other than uh, Kenrich, a guy who's even a little bit maybe older than that, because Kenrich, as much as he is a vet on the team, he's only 27 or so. Yeah, and, you know, they had, they've had Mescala in favors and, and Horford for, for a little bit. I I think, I don't know. I haven't really, like, thought about that before, because despite age, 
Shea is definitely like the leader of this team, the face of the team, regardless of of what vets you bring in. And Kinrich kind of feels that fills that role. I think um, this is a really good question and one that we talk about a lot. Like, what does this team lack? What, what's what's the what's the one piece they're missing? And my answer is, I have no clue. And I say that because I think they have no clue because. Chet Holmgren is uh is on the sidelines. He won't come back until next season. We won't know what he's going to look like until, you know, summer league training camp whenever he's ready to go rolls around. Um and then I think once you see that, once you see how the other guys have improved, then it becomes a lot more obvious of what this team needs. Um and, and Sam has talked about this before. It's like they're not going to add whatever piece that is this summer before they know what Chet is because like Chet is a huge building block, the secondary building block at least. And heck who knows you draft a guy uh, too. He he might be the primary building block for all I know down the road. Um, so I think it's just like premature to, to have this conversation. Uh, I mean, I, I, I totally get it, but like, you know, right now they're not in a position to like where they're one skill away one player type away one you know locker room leader away that's fair and i i think of it less as an on the floor thing and more of just those older iterations of the thunder where they had Derek fisher and other guys who are have a lot of experience who can talk to some of these guys and talk about shot selection or anything like that because in a lot of ways a lot of these guys are just all peers and friends together so it's harder to have some of those conversations in the locker room but if you can have somebody who's been through those playoff rounds and finals and different things like that because although Kendrick is a veteran you could say that you know Shea and Lou even are more battle tested in the playoffs because they've had those series where Kendrick hasn't who who would be that guy like the uh the Derek Fisher, Raymond Felton type. I mean, I, uh, he, he doesn't even play, but like an Andre Iguodala type of personality, I'd really, I think would help. Yeah. I will say the, the coaching staff is extremely young and a few of them are former Thunder players, not, not just NBA players, but Thunder players who I think Phil that sort of role like you know mike wilkes for example a lot of guys look up to him he's not too far removed from playing pro basketball eric mayner um is is on the bench as well who, who played with the thunder dj white so they they've got some of those guys that that kind of fill some of those roles but i, I get what you're saying like an on-court um you know I, i'm trying to think Mike Muscala, man, he, he might be coming back. You never know. I wouldn't rule that out. No, I wouldn't either. But just having that extra guy, the Kendrick Perkins version of that to the locker room who adds some other things. But like you mentioned, it's too early for this conversation, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about and always like picking your brain on things like this. Speaking of former Thunder players, it's a Thunder Legacy Weekend. I don't know if we're allowed to, to share any names now. But tonight at the game, Friday night, there's going to be a lot of former Thunder players in the house. I hope to have a have a story on several of them who were on that inaugural Thunder team 
in 2008, 2009, because a lot of those guys are, are going to be here. Some of them are actually on the staff as well. I, I just mentioned their names, but uh, DJ White and I think Mike Wilkes also played on that team. So that, that should be a lot of fun. Looking for your one-on-one feature with Johan Petro and Damian Wilkins and the guys of uh, that era. It might happen. Be careful what you wish for. I mean, we're still w- waiting on the Quad A, gra- uh, quad a Green uh, story. That that's the number one. Yeah, I got I got to see where Quad A is. I, I don't think. Um, I think he he came and went to the Blue without me ever knowing. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a mystery, but I'll find out. That's what I'm here for. That that's what you're here for. Job description: Quad A Grant, uh, Quad A Green reporter. Uh, but. Is there anything else you can plug that you're currently working on before we get out of here? Um, well, like I said, look out for that uh, the Thunder Legacy story, talking to some of those guys. And the other thing, really poorly timed with the Kenrich news, but I'm still going to write it, um, just the, the Thunder's knack for ticking charges, and they lead the NBA by like a 20-charge margin over the the team that takes the second most charges. So you obviously have Kenrich Williams. You've got Jay Will where that's like totally his thing. And then Isaiah J.O., he's taking double-digit charges. So I kind of asked Mark Dignall this, like some of the stuff with Jay Will seems a little gimmicky sometimes. Like that's just like his thing. Everyone knows it's his thing. But Dignall obviously doesn't see it that way. I mean, it's, it's a turnover every time. It, it happens and you know these guys just have a great feel of when to do that so i am going to write a story about the art of the charge hopefully through jay will's eyes yeah didn't mark say that it's like an art for him or it's magical or some type of other adjective on how jay will takes charges yeah man i mean he's uh he did use i think he did say art and it is it's uh it's a very painful form of art. It's we're like need... sacri- sacrificial art. Yeah. We're going to need to see the video of you taking charge lessons from Jay Will at shoot around or practice one-on-one on how to take a charge. Just as long as I don't have to take a charge from Jay Will or like from Lou Dort. The good news is Eugene is not in the locker room. He's in Detroit, so you don't have to take one from him. I'd have to put a football helmet on for that. Good Lord. Yeah, no. Oklahoma drill is what they do at the the Thunder (laughs) practice right now. It's just Eugene and Lou running into each other, and it just causes an earthquake or something. But it's been fun today, Joe. I'm looking forward to the Jazz game later tonight. Um, Should be a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us at Thunderbud Pod, and we will talk to you again next time.